My name's Sarah Frick, and you're listening to Are You For Real? A podcast all about being real. Like, really real, not just cute Instagram real. Like, real. Welcome back to Are You For Real with Sarah Frick. Today, we are talking to Mariah Darby. This is part two of our birth stories. Today, Mariah is going to tell us a story about her own life um, while having her son, Jarvis, and then lead us a little bit into surrogacy, which she used for her daughter, Reese. Her story is so fascinating. It's such a testament to how families are built in all different ways. But before we get to that, a word from our sponsor. Pink Cactus, which is located at 100 Spring Street. So you guys know I love tequila. I really do. One of my favorite drinks is at Pink Cactus. It's their house margarita. It's a prickly pear mango and it's spicy. I love a spicy margarita. That paired with like one to five of their tacos really, uh, really sends me in a good place. So definitely check them out. If you're still looking for fun things to do with your family while they're here for the holidays, go get yourself a margarita and a taco. Who doesn't love a margarita and taco? All right, guys, we are sitting down with Mariah Darby right now, and she is going to share her birth story with us. Um, Mariah has two sons and a daughter, and so I'm going to honestly just let her start, and we will just chat our way through this one. Okay, so <laughs> I have my first son, um, Quinn. I He's six. I had him conceived naturally, had a totally normal, healthy birth, thankfully. Um, we had a planned C-section because he was breached. And we thought he had a breathing issue, but he was fine. Um, so then I went on thinking having um, my second son, Jarvis, would be easy. And after Quinn, I had two miscarriages, um, the second of which was like particularly physical and painful. And um, the loss was right around the holidays. And it How just far taking, along were you with that? I was 15 weeks. Okay. And it was just like the worst time of year. Everyone was so happy and I was so down. And the day after my DNC, my husband got the flu. I got the flu. Our one-year-old got the flu and we just didn't celebrate Christmas. (laughs) I was just down in the dumps. And I was like, I cannot physically do this. Like I, I, I just knew something. I felt like something was wrong with him. And um, New Year's Eve day, my family was coming in town and I went back for like a follow-up post-DNC and they had to um, take the remaining mm. remains out of my stomach, I mean, out of my body, Yeah, which was um, just, you know, you're awake and it hurts. It sounds awful. And I was just so sad. It's and like, it, I, I, I've had to do that too before, like go back for the second it's time. It's almost and worse you're like, than a DNC because well, like you're just, awake. Yeah. And you're like oh, this already sucks. And now this sucks even more. And you're still bleeding and you just, oh, um, I remember the doctor being like, I was so emotional crying. And I remember her being like, what's wrong? Like, do you want me to give you some antidepressants? And I was like, what's wrong? Yeah. You're like, no, I want a tranquilizer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sad because you just took the rest of my baby out of my body that I've been mourning and ill from for two weeks now. Um, anyway, so I, uh, told my husband we were going to move, <laughs> that I just needed a fresh start. I found this, like, I was thinking just we'll go away for a few weeks. And I found this little bungalow in um, Venice, California. And he looked at me like I was crazy <laughs> because he has a job. And this was just, you know, so far out there from normally how people recover from things. So he works in um, St. Kitts. So we ended up, he went down for work and we went for like six or eight weeks. And nice. I um, had such a great relationship with my doctor 
who kind of stayed in touch with me post the miscarriage. I just met him when there was no heartbeat in the room at, mm. at MUSC. And he was like, I'm determined to help you have a baby. We're going to figure out your plan. And like, we set up a conference call. He looked at all my past medical records and I'd had three miscarriages, two of which, which were random chromosomal abnormalities, yet I wasn't a genetic carrier. Mm -hmm. So it was really just bad luck yeah. at 29 and 31, like really young Did you have ages. a miscarriage before Quinn too? Before Quinn too. Uh -huh. And I think, um, I just was like, you know what? I'm with, I have the best team of doctors. Um, I went to a fertility doctor, Sarah's doctor, yeah. how kind of we met. And Dr. Schnorr, you owe me some money back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and I was just like, we're going to do IVF. Um, we're going to test the embryos because this type of loss is like preventable yeah. if it's genetic. And um, you guys don't know what's wrong with me and there's something wrong with me. Right. And he kind of like laughed like, wow, that's like a great insurance policy to have, which is how I thought of it. And luckily financially we could do that. Right. So, um, meanwhile, I'm in St. Kitts and like changing my diet and listening to everything Dr. Sullivan at MUSC says to get healthy and prepare for this. We do, everything was perfect. Like we did a retrieval, we got healthy embryos, we transferred, a great first trimester. I went into my um, 16 week appointment. Everything looked good. Um, I went home that night and was getting ready to go to dinner with some girls in a white dress. Mm. And I just started gushing blood. And I was like, mm, this will be my fourth miscarriage. Ugh. Like I know this drill. So I um, called Dr. Sullivan, went in the next morning and my cervix had started to shorten, mm -hmm. which is a sign of labor. And at 16 weeks, that would be completely right. <laughs> like no chance. Right. So I went on bed rest, um, for the rest of, well, until about 28 weeks was our goal. So for several months, but, um, I had a blood clot hematoma in the placenta, which mm -hmm. can cause placental abruption where the placenta like completely splits and the baby would die and you would miscarry. But luckily the, the hematoma absorbed by 28 30 weeks, um, everything looked totally normal. It's so, so in not interesting. It's crazy. I had the same thing with Waylon, a hematoma. I didn't know you had that. Yeah. Um, I, I had the same thing. I, I stood up in my car and I was literally sitting in a puddle of blood oh, and it was at the, the same worst. time. And I was like, no fucking way. Like no way yeah. this is happening to me again. So that's just wild. Anyway. You yeah. think like after you've been through so many losses, like, okay, yeah. I'm going to get a break on this yeah. one. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did feel that way though. Like once I got to um, past Thanksgiving, it was like 32 weeks and I was like, we are going to have this baby. Yeah. And in, in my pregnancy with Quinn too, there was maybe only a month of being pregnant I enjoyed, which mm -hmm. might sound like no. motherly, but my experience with pregnancy was like literally every day I was like, is the baby dead or alive? Terrifying. I never believed I was going to have a baby until I held the baby. Same. Like, didn't get nurseries ready. I didn't like baby showers. Mm -hmm. I didn't like to go to other people's baby showers, yeah. honestly. Like, I just was like, they don't know all the things that can happen. Right. Um, and I actually didn't enjoy them until after I um, had Jarvis in a hysterectomy and was like, oh, I don't have to do this again. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I have a planned C-section with Jarvis. Like, our whole birth plan was, I'm going to try for a VBAC. My doctor knew, knew us well and that we wanted to have multiple children. Like, we're both one of four. And he was like, let's try for a VBAC. If you don't go into labor, then we will schedule a C-section. <laughs> so funny. Um, our our C-section was scheduled for Monday and a little bit early. It's 38 and a half weeks because my doctor was going to be out of town and like 
I needed him. Right. And so I go in Friday morning and he was out of town Friday and I just show up at their office and the person's like, you don't have an appointment, Mariah. And I was like, well, I just need to make sure I'm going to get through this weekend. And they were like, you're scheduled for Monday to have the baby. And I was and once you show up, like they can't turn you down. Yeah. Pregnant. So I remember, um, uh, he was a funny doctor. He moved, but his name's Dr. Nelson. And he ended up being with me during the birth, but he was like, oh, why are you here and not have to do a stress <laughs> test? Like, what do you mean you're not going to make it? Yes, yeah. you're going to make it. And I just had this feeling like we got 48 hours, like yeah. something oh, could happen. Like chills over my whole body. So thankfully we get through the weekend. Everything looks good. Um, I remember driving to the hospital and my husband and my or one-year-old, or he was two at the time, was in the car and Charles drops me off to check in. And I'm just I'm so emotional, mm-hmm. like cannot stop crying. I check in by myself and he comes back after he takes Quinn to school and I go up and like they, you know, they get you ready for the C-section. I'm just crying. And the nurses are like, are you all right? And I was like, are you sure there's a heartbeat? Like mm. I just, so to the last fear. minute was terrified and, um, everything, you know, my doctor like knew that what a journey this pregnancy had been and, um, everything went like beautifully. Like he, we went to the operating room he tugged like really hard, which happened with my first pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And I remember with Quinn um, being like, where's the baby? Like, shouldn't the baby be out by now? Right. You don't know what to, like, right, I right. don't know what's normal. I haven't seen other people's C-sections. But um, so he comes out and like, you know, it's like the best moment of your life. And um, we go right across the hallway to a recovery room. And I start nursing him and we call my mom and say it's a boy. And... I delivered my first son at East Cooper, which is like a hotel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you have like a suite by yourself. And at MUSC, it's like this tiny room and there's residents and it's a teaching hospital. So there's lots of people around and they're massaging my uterus, like my stomach, like lots of hands, but mm-hmm. I've had a C-section, so I can't really feel anything right. down there. And I, really I'm in this bubble with my baby and Charles and um, the nurse is like, I'm going to call Dr. Sullivan. I, I see a little bleeding, but I want to get ahead of it. So, um, He'd been walking back to his clinic and turns around and comes back and says, we're going to take you back to the OR. I'm going to put this balloon device to just clear up the bleeding. Not a big deal. Charles, do you want to come back with Mariah across the hallway? And I was like, of course not. Like, stay with Jarvis. He's literally 20 minutes old. And um, so I go, thank God it was directly across the hall. We hadn't left the floor yet. And um, I'm laying on the bed and... Um, I can't feel my body, but I look down and I'm just covered in blood mm-hmm. everywhere. And um, they move me to another bed because I'm just soaking bed after bed of blood. And I realize something's terribly wrong. And the faces in the room, it's like code red emergency. People are rushing in. Blood bags are coming in. And the anesthesiologist was like this beautiful Indian woman and was like, we're going to take care of you. And I was out. But um, the surgery was like four and a half hours. Mm. So Charles is like, meanwhile, across the hall holding our baby. And um, the Donna Johnson, who's the head of maternal fetal health, like walks in the room and he said, we knew her because in trying to get pregnant, we had met with her. Mm-hmm. And he just knew like something's terribly wrong with Mariah. Um so at this point, they don't know what's wrong with me, which is why it was such a long surgery. And um, 
thank God I was at MUSC because like East Cooper would never have had enough blood. I, I wouldn't have made it. Mm-hmm. Um, they called in the oncology team because they're experts in bleeding. And so um, there were like multiple surgeons and uh, eventually they had to take my uterus out because that was the only way to make it stop bleeding. And, um, you know, like afterwards at my postpartum appointments, I would say to the doctor, he'd be like, how are you doing? And I, I just couldn't articulate it other mm-hmm. than like, I'm not supposed to be here. Right. Like everything I did for weeks was just this like post-traumatic stress of like, yeah, totally that haunted me from the surgery. And he w- would later tell me that like your heart stopped twice mm-hmm. in the surgery. Like the fact you didn't have a heart attack, the fact that your body took the blood, it was 16 pints of blood. Like, oh, God. okay. So I wake up the next day in the surgical trauma ICU on a breathing machine like ventilator holy shit and I'm holding my baby so I you know you're on like heavy narcotics (laughs) but I and again I don't know if it was the drugs I don't know if like I heard something surgery but I I woke up and I couldn't talk because the ventilator was in my throat but I wrote to my husband like what type of cancer do I have like I'm like I just thought this was it like it was so painful um my father died of throat cancer and the only time I'd seen heard of a ventilator and like seen someone on it was with him. And like my mind for those hours, I just was like, I want to die. Like it was just so painful. I think they had to strap my hands down because it kept pulling it out of my throat, my mouth. Yeah. But, um, you know, and then I got, they took me back to surgery because I had a drain in my stomach. And like once I stabilized, they were able to take me back and then put me back in the ICU. And then I moved to, normal maternity room and everything like sort of started to make sense. How long were you in the hospital then? I was in the hospital about a week and in the ICU like three, three days. Mm -hmm. But so once I moved to the maternity um, room, our our friend Jersey Cahill that, Mm -hmm. you know, Dr. Cahill, he he, um, was up in the NICU and had visited me and um, I text him. I was like the the pathology came back from the surgery and I had placenta accreta. It sounds like I was really lucky. And he like ran downstairs and he was like, Oh my God, Mariah, I know it's hard for you to hear anything like yeah. that. You're lucky in this situation, but we had a mother who delivered full term with accreta, accreta at MUSC eight years ago and she didn't make it. Mm. Like, so what it, is that? It's when, um, your, like the embryo implants too deeply into your uterine wall lining and in most cases, you see it in ultrasound. On mine, I mean, we had a million ultrasounds with the highest level machine because mm-hmm. I was being seen by maternal fetal health once I started bleeding at 16 weeks, and it just never showed up. I mean, it's just like, I don't think it's anyone's fault. It just, right. imaging's not perfect right, in, right, right. in any field of science. So it never showed up. But normally if you're diagnosed with accreta, you can see like the placenta growing outside of, it starts to grow outside of the uterus and it can grow on your bladder or any okay. other organ around there, which is why full term delivering, it's usually fatal because it's a, attacking your other organs and then you can't stop bleeding and then you don't have your organs. So I was so lucky that I made it that far and did it like, I mean, I could carry like, um, urine bag with me. Like there's so many right, long-term right, right. health effects of right. losing an organ or having partially removed. 
Um, but, but if you are diagnosed with it, you plan on an early delivery. I think by 32 weeks, they want to take the baby out and your friends and family donate blood because the surgery is really long and there's a lot of bleeding. So I just felt like so fortunate to have delivered full term and been at a hospital that had blood and like super skilled surgeons that even not knowing my condition were able to like you know, (laughs) let me live a quality of life that's pretty much exactly the same. I mean, I wasn't even, um, I mean, this is a whole nother birth story with my daughter (laughs) because we used a surrogate, but not having a uterus to me was, um, it didn't, it didn't affect me. Like I I had a partial hysterectomy, so I didn't, I don't have my uterus, but I have my ovaries. So like I still, um, this might be too much information, but I still like no, have never all too the, much. <laughs> I still have all the hormonal like imbalance, you know, your period, right. what you go through every month. But I don't like bleed it out, right? And I've talked, I've gotten to know people that have used surrogates that had ovaries taken away too. And in that scenario, you go through early menopause and you're on a lot of medications daily just to regulate your body. Right. But, um, and I think the way that I lost mine was like so um, dramatic, and yeah. that I was like. I knew the alternative was not being here. So it didn't, I was Good like, perspective. that's totally fine. Yeah. But I do, I've talked to women that have like gone in to have their first baby or twins in a C-section and they're like, oh, there's a lot of bleeding. We're going to have to do a hysterectomy. And they leave the hospital and they're like, what the hell just happened? Like, right. I wanted to have another baby. Like, couldn't they have done, you know? So I think the like extreme situation for me has been so hard to, I remember people, this one girl sent me a sympathy card when I had Jarvis and I know I was in like a deep, dark place and this is like not a nice way to judge someone who's reaching out to be kind. But I remember being like, oh oh my God, does she not realize I had a healthy baby? Like what is wrong with her? Like I am so lucky. Like I think you hate that feeling of people feeling sorry for you. Yeah. And well, and you had worked so hard to get him. He was the prize. Right. That like... I left the hospital the exact same scenario. Like I was a family of four and I, I, for a little while, like saw this picture of like Charles leaving with two boys by himself and like being a widow. Like I just, to me, it was like, there was nothing to be angry about. Right. But I do think if you hadn't had the opportunity to be pregnant and I mean, you and I know, like, when when you're determined to have a baby, like, Mm -hmm. there is nothing. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, we'll try another cycle. We're going to do this. Like, for me to, like, almost have that option taken away was, like, a relief. Yeah. And, like, this burden I was carrying was, like, okay, we're going to think of other ways to have a baby. Totally. I, when I went in to have the twins... I got my tubes tied and I remember John being like, are you sure? And I was like, you're going to have to find a new wife. Like <laughs> I am so I'm sure. I've never again. been more sure about anything in my life. I will never do another round of like IVF again in my life, you know, because yeah. I was just emotionally exhausted and it was just so much, so, it's so much. Well, and it's just like the up and the down and the anticipation and everything. So, so now you have these two beautiful, healthy boys and you're like, <laughs> Charles, we're going to have another baby. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Um, he wanted another baby too. I know he did. I know. Okay, and he's a love. So, yeah. He, he definitely had a period <laughs> and we both did of like, oh my God, why would anyone ever be pregnant? Like, how could we ever go through anything like this again? And we, um, we knew we didn't want another baby and we'd always like been wanting to adopt. Like, we met with a lawyer. Um, she did adoption and surrogacy law here. And um, 
the, at the time, the wait she suspected to have a, to adopt a third child was going to be at least six years. Mm. No, that's if we want to stay in the state, but, Mm -hmm. um, there's other routes to go. And, um, that seems like a really long time. Yeah, it does. I, it's a hard time waiting, like just the length of a pregnancy. Right. Um, but she also was like, we still had embryos, and she was like, I think you should at least consider surrogacy. It's you're kind of a hard match because a birth mother often picks a couple that doesn't have children right. or has one and wants to give the baby a sibling. Which I would, I, if I were in a birth mother in those shoes, I, I probably would pick a couple that didn't have a child, and that made sense. And um, I had a friend who lived in Charleston but moved back to Richmond, and she'd used a surrogate, and. You know, so many people will be like, oh, I could never do that. And I think a little bit of my mindset had been there. Like, oh, I struggled. I struggled with doing IVF. Of like, yeah. maybe I'm not supposed to have children. Right. This is God telling me. Like, I think you can tell yourself any story um, and, and rationalize it. But so the more I learned about surrogacy, I talked to several people um, uh, my sister's friend and who had interviewed agencies and it's just it's a process like can imagine there's uh, this is kind of terrifying to me but so the the surrogacy adoption lawyer we met with suggested I, get, I join a Facebook group and she <laughs> said that 50% of her adoption and surrogacy cases match online through social media wow and I was like Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's even scarier. Yeah, but, yeah. But anyway, she came back to me a few weeks later. And at this point, we were not like trying to have a baby. Like I think Jarvis was six months old. But I knew this could be years, years process. So, um, and she brought us a surrogacy candidate. And we went to, Charles and I went to lunch with she and her husband. She lived in Buford. And I just didn't have a great feeling. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like, she's so young. Um, and, and a lot of surrogates are, a lot of them are military families that she happened to be. And, um, so, but I was like, you know, I, I called my doctor that delivered Jarvis and he was like, maybe, maybe this is just like falling in your lap for a reason. Let's, yeah. let's see. So Dr. Schnorr actually like interviewed her and did his like, um, screening and called me immediately. I was still like, I was at coffee with her and was like, Ryan, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> appreciate his very yeah. stern bedside manner. And I was like, okay. How did he know? Um, like just emotional I think or she just... had a few like mental health postpartum okay. things. And that was obviously and you knew in your gut anyway. I, I was like, I agree. Like yeah. I wasn't going to fight this. And again, like the hardest part of surrogacy for me was given my near death experience was, um, how could I ask another woman to do this? Mm-hmm. Like the thing that almost killed me. Right. Um, that still, I'm like, how did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, there's an organization called every mother counts that uh-huh. Christy Turlington yeah. founded after she hemorrhaged in childbirth too. And, um, it's so, terrifying that like the United States, like of the developed countries, we have a rising maternal health rate. Like mm. each year more and more women are dying in childbirth in our country, which just makes sense. Do they know why or do they? Um, go to their website. They have yeah. statistics. <laughs> but a lot of it is like um, healthcare providers not listening to women when they do have a complaint. A lot of it is um, poor prenatal care, especially in rural areas. Sadly, so much of it is like systemic racism. Mm. Like the maternal death rate for African-Americans in our country is significantly higher. 
uh, like four times more likely to die in childbirth. And interesting, our surrogate was Mm African-American. And when we matched, the only pause I had was like, oh my God, she has to have the best, like, where does she live? What's her doctor like? Like, I want her to like have like a team of support around her yeah just because I'd read all these articles right seen it on the news I mean like did she have any of her own children she had one daughter um who at the time was nine and um she'd had a one little boy through a surrogate for another family um anyway so after (laughs) after the poor matching locally Mm -hmm. I was like that's it we're going to use an agency which is other route to go with surrogacy and an agency is often a law firm that um um kind of screens candidates around the country some are local but we went with an agency outside of DC we had like a Skype interview with the founder Diane and um immediately like it was the first time I was like I'm so comfortable with this like she I like struggled that what I was doing was so greedy or selfish and again like risking someone's life and she just had like the most beautiful way of thinking about how we build families and why we build families and like what a gift um it's amazing but surrogates believe (laughs) and ours is is like this too I mean she she's like it was like the greatest gift for me to be a part of this journey which again from my mind was like what (laughs) you enjoyed this yeah like we're all different um, right (laughs) everyone's very different um but so we went with that agency it took us a year to match with our surrogate her name's Courtney and like weirdly given my past like once I I, I, they send you kind of a packet, like we wrote a letter to our like dear surrogate letter, like mm-hmm. you would an adoption of like why you want to do this journey. And um, as soon as I saw her packet, I was like, I totally trust her. Yeah. Like it, I trusted her body a million times more than I trusted my own. Mm-hmm. And like she just, like, everything about her was so warm, doing it for the right reasons. Her mother wrote a letter, her employer wrote a letter, her best friend pictures like the agency had like gone to her house and like really painted a picture of what her like daily life was like right and then she came to Charleston we met her like because it's like it is a legal contract right process yeah I mean sure we met with this um psychologist and talked about like every scenario like at 20 weeks the ultrasound shows this severe birth defect what do you do yeah um to uh <laughs> And the, the, I joked that I was like crying in this session. Cause it was just so hard to think of like her delivering my baby. And the, the psychologist is like, who holds the baby first? Like mm. every situation. And I was so emotional. The psychologist was like, Mariah, maybe you shouldn't be in the delivery room if this happens. <laughs> and I was like, bitch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we get through that. I, I, I passed the screening, which Charles was shocked by. <laughs> Wasn't worried about our surrogate screening. I was worried about mine. And, um, there was a little pause in the transfer, like with Courtney's blood work. She lives in um, Mississippi, so she was screening there, and then she flew to Charleston for the transfer because our embryos were here. Mm-hmm. And like, I remember I was at a friend's wedding, and she texted me not even a week after the transfer. So you don't really know if you're right. pregnant yet. Like her her blood work was in a few days, and she was like, "I think we're having a little girl," <gasps> or "Think you're having oh. a little girl," and I was like. Mm, girl (laughs) you don't know we could lose it we got 40 weeks to go we don't even know we're pregnant like it's just like her confidence and like she was like it's my sense of smell I know it's a girl and we didn't find out the gender um until much later obviously and she was right and um it was just like every and her first transfer she got pregnant 
She did. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. She, she was made for it. Like, yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> I just think some women are. And, um, yeah. but I still like, I wasn't as psycho as I was during my pregnancy, but like every, you know, she FaceTimed me for every single appointment. And like when they were looking for the heartbeat, you know, it was like, I was having a panic attack inside, yeah. like trying to hold it together. Um, but like so unusual for me, the pregnancy was totally normal. Not right. one like, hiccup. Are you sure this is my baby? The <laughs> only hiccup in the process was like late in pregnancy. It was the fall and um, I'm FaceTiming and the doctor's like, all right, we're going to do your flu shot. And she was like, I don't like to do flu shots. And yeah. I was like, in my mind, like she is going to get a flu shot. So, but again, like a sur- uh, agency, like we had a case manager who, if I had, if I had any concern, I talked to her right. and like all finances were handled through her. Right. And, like my relationship with Courtney was like only like, how are you feeling? How's the baby? Like, right. there was nothing negative or like awkward, like as weird as it sounds, she, it was just so natural, which I know sounds crazy. No, I don't think, I mean, I think it sounds, it sounds like it was meant to be to me. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I, I just don't, I probably wouldn't believe this until I went through this. And I have people like I I took Reese, our daughter back home this summer and was like in the pool and she's like really clingy. Like most children are with their parent. And like one of my, someone said to my mom or something like, I can't, just can't believe how attached Reese is to Mariah. And I'm just like, yeah, I just uh, carrying a baby in your stomach, like for some yeah. people, is such a bonding, amazing experience. Totally. For me, it wasn't. Right, and, and like obviously, I don't think that makes you a good mom. You right. know, like I just was like, uh, I I could have a baby fall out of the sky and it could be mine. Right, like, it doesn't matter that it was my embryo. Right, even. you know, right, like right. It, it it was a baby. That, right. Um. Okay. So. Everything was normal. She was she was due um, December twenty seventh, so we were like planning to do Christmas in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some like rental I found online, and Charles was like, "This is gonna suck." <laughs> but I was like, "We're all gonna be there." And then, thankfully, she went into labor early and um, called me on like a Friday night at five o'clock, and was like, "My water just broke," and I was like. It was like the greatest rush of emotion. Like, and just is so different than a C-section versus like right. going into labor. And I just remember like Charles had just walked in the door, like screaming, like, boys, you're going to have a sister. Like the whole house. We were all just like this frantic. My neighbor Ashley came over and took the boys and literally Charles and I just like got in an Uber and yeah. went to the airport. Like yeah. on the way there, he's getting the last flight through Atlanta to Gulfport and like, like the stars aligned. There were three seats left on it. His grandfather came with us. Like Aww. he was like in a pool working out, like swimming laps <laughs> and like had his bag. Like we like make it to the airport. We land, we go to the hospital and she was just like so calm. Like she was laying in the bed. <laughs> um, again, I just didn't know. What, my experience was so different. Yeah. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, I don't know. That was the only part where I'm like, what am I, do I sit here and hold her hand? Does right. she want to be alone? <laughs> right. Like, I don't know how to do this. But she was like, y'all should go check in your hotel shower. Like the baby's not coming anytime soon. The nurses were like, it'll be at least eight hours. And I was like, I'm not leaving. Right. Like, I've been waiting for this for yeah. years. Yeah. And, um, I left though. Cause <laughs> Charles, like we, we went and got a little, I didn't sleep, but he did and like showered and then came back and we waited like the whole day. But, um, once things, once they got things moving, it happened like really, really fast. And, um, Courtney didn't want, she, at the time her fiance was there, but she didn't want him in the room and she didn't want her mom in the room. Like she was just like this warrior of like, 
I can do this. Like I, and of course, Charles and I were in the room and I was like holding her hand like she's pushing and, so um, <laughs> and Charles is rubbing my back and he's in a fleece coat. <laughs> this gets ugly. <laughs> and I'm in a hospital gown because again, everything's like scripted. We had planned this before we even yeah. were pregnant that like when she came out, she's going to go on my chest and we're going to do skin to skin. And we had our own room at the hospital and her band would say Darby. And, um, so Charles is rubbing my back and I'm like, stop touching me. <laughs> I'm like, help Courtney. Like, I'm like, you're doing a great job. Yeah. <laughs> She's probably like, shut up, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I just am like, stop touching me. I'm so sweaty. Like the panic attack is happening. Yeah. And again, I'd never seen a vaginal birth and the heart monitor is up and down. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. We have been through so much. It's going to be stillborn. Like I know the baby's not going to be breathing. And that was, that was where my head was. It's a sick world. I live in it's okay. My head. You've had a lot Some of trauma. And, and so the nurse looks at me and is like, who's, you know, watching Courtney like yeah. by her legs. And he's like, Brian, you need to lay down. You're about to pass out. Like I'm white as a ghost and covered in sweat. And I'm like, this is so embarrassing. Here she is like laboring <laughs> my daughter and I can't even hold her hand. I'm not even looking at anything gross. Yeah. So I lay down. Charles goes and gets me ice and orange juice. <laughs> and I'm giving myself the biggest pep talk in my life. I'm like, get the fuck up yeah. and hold her hand. <laughs> so I, I get it together. I stand up. I'm like thinking I'm going to faint, but I'm like, I've got to get my game face on. Yeah. And the nurse, so I go back and I'm like, you know, <laughs> being a cheerleader and the nurse is like, Mariah, you've got to, um, you've got to come down and look. She's got all your blonde hair. <sighs> and Courtney is um, black. And like, again, I remember the only, like, just the science of this. Gosh, of like, it's amazing. It's just, and I remember being like, even if they transferred the wrong embryo or right. she got pregnant, I want that baby, Charles. Yeah. Like, I don't care if it's our totally. And he was like, Mariah, you're going to know if it's our baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, when the nurse was like, he, her head's coming out and I just lost it. Like, like every emotion of the process of like trusting the process and waiting and like waiting to hold her and just like this gift that Courtney was giving me like yeah. hit like a ton of bricks. And, um, so I went around and like watched her come out, which was just like the most amazing thing to witness, like <sighs> to like see her and for me to like feel good and be able to like hold her and take care of her and not be like, my recovery with Jarvis of like vomiting and yeah. literally like nurses pushing on my incisions in my stomach so I could nurse. Like it was just so terrible that this was just like all like yeah. joy and like being able to, to soak it in. And so Reese comes out and Charles is in the corner in his fleece, like <laughs> thinking everything's yucky. And they're like, does dad want to cut the cord? And he was like, just a puddle of tears. Oh. Couldn't do anything. So I was like, I'll cut the cord because <laughs> I've already seen everything. Yeah. Um, so I cut her cord and then they put her on me and like, I just, I don't, I, I don't know. I didn't think about that moment because I think I was so terrified yeah, and like, like guarding, couldn't picture it. Like I just had all these like fears and everything went perfect. And I remember they like, um, we're like, all right, bring her to y'all's room. Like, Charles, come, Mariah, the baby. And I, like, gave her to, to Charles, and I just laid on Courtney's chest and was like, thank you so much. And, and she was like, go hold your baby. She's perfect. She was like, you got to go to your room with her. And for her, like, in that moment yeah. to be by herself and, like, physically what she'd just been through and, like, 
thinking of us and thinking of Reese and like how important it is in, in that time to like be with our mom and dad. And it was just like more beautiful than I could have imagined. Oh my gosh. And, um, we stayed in the hospital with her wow. and Courtney, like the angel saint she is, was like pumping milk and, um, having it delivered. And I mean, I, I like had no problem. And again, I probably feared this, but I had no problem with Courtney, like holding her. Like yeah. I would go check on Courtney and bring Reese and yeah. be like, do you want to hold her? And she did once, but like when she checked out of the hospital, I was like, let's all get a picture. And you know, she, she didn't want to hold her. Like, I think yeah. she knew she'd done this before. And like, she knew she had, she went, she checked out the day next day and like her daughter came and met her and, and her mom. And it was just like, so respectful and yeah. so kind to like, not put that on me of like having to worry or, which I didn't, like I knew her, like I, I knew she wouldn't be anything but like gracious. And she just was so, um, throughout the process, like when she would text me pictures of like her pregnant, she'd be like, you're a princess. Like it was never like, yeah, we're doing this. Like yeah. she made it feel like, and like, I wrote her after the birth and just told her like, you know, how much I admired her and how much like how thoughtful she was and like respectful of me throughout that process. And, and I remember her writing me back and just saying that like, like being a part of this gift, like brings her more joy for the rest of her life than she'll ever know. And I just can't imagine like, she sounds like an angel. Like she's just so kind. And it was, and, and I've had friends be like, well, will you ever take Reese to meet her? And like, she invited us to her wedding in September. It was when Dorian came through and we didn't, we didn't go, but, um, I was like, absolutely. Like yeah. this is, I'm not like threatened or fearful. Like she's someone who like, I hope Reese like learns from, and we all like my family learns from and like what true generosity and like helping a stranger yeah. is, you know? And I think so much of like the fertility world and like people, judging or like thinking that's wrong or like right. test two babies. And it's just, to me, it's like you have all these people like rooting for you and like loving on your child and like wanting her, like I wanted her so badly yeah. and like I didn't birth her, but like I, along with Charles, like work to have her like in relationships or to pay for it or, yes. you know, like our faith, like I just feel like everyone's path is different and it's, can be so beautiful. I, I mean, I know there's other stories because yeah. <laughs> I, I also have heard stories through my Jarvis experience of things not working out for the mother or, right. uh, you know, like the child. But I think um, you have to like have that faith that it can happen. Totally. And I think like it's your story to me is such a testament of like, it might not be exactly how you planned it, but it's like, that was God's gift to you was how exactly it was meant to be. Right. And like, I... Would you do it again? I would love to. Let's wait till we tell Charles that. Um, I would love. I would love to adopt or do surrogacy. But if we adopt, I told him we need to like adopt two or twins. Like I want them to like have each other. Yeah. And he's like, well, we're getting I? two puppies he's and like, twins. He's like five. Um, but no, I mean we're. Again, I feel like every every time you get pregnant, whether through adoption or naturally or surrogacy, it's like 
and this is a scary outlook to have of just like, oh, we're rolling the dice again. Like we're, but that risk is always worth it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I just need, like, I'm still kind of taking in Reese's birth that she turns one on Sunday. Oh, and I'm just like, so sweet. Every this month of just like what we were doing and waiting and like yeah. packing. And it was just like, it's, it's almost more emotional now than it was when I was in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But that was awesome. Two different long stories. Oh my gosh. It was beautiful. <laughs> that was so good. Thank you. Seriously. Thank you, thank you so much. You, so, you, you told it so eloquently. <laughs> I mean, really, really beautiful. Thank you. Mariah, thank you again so much for sharing that heartfelt story. I, um, definitely was eye opening to me. I, and you know, whenever I was going in to have my babies, I never thought about myself. Um, but obviously we need to survive to have these children and to be able to mother these children. And when Mariah said the thing about Charles leaving the hospital as a widow with two little boys, it shook me to my core. So thank you for being so real and vulnerable. What a beautiful testament to your family. So as always, guys, if you like us, even if you don't, (laughs) share with your friends, rate us, review us. We love what we're doing, but we need you to keep doing it, okay? Thank you.